following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. It's peak season for asparagus, which pairs perfectly with a light and crisp rosé. Many bottles of champagne and sparkling wines are perfect for adult Easter baskets. And they're really cute, too. My perfect brunch? Belgian waffles with extra whipped cream and a holiday pour of your sweetest rosé. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. Today, my guest is NASCAR star Kyle Busch. Kyle, thanks a lot for joining me on the show. Oh, of course, man. Thank you very much for having me. Hey, man, so the season hasn't officially started yet, but uh, you're off to a great start. Uh, You've won the Winter Showdown, and uh, you also won the Snowball Derby. So congratulations. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. It was uh, through a lot of hard work and everything else. We all know how that is getting race cars to the racetrack, but um, you know, enjoy that super late model racing and being able to travel across the country and race against some of the best of the best. You know, you may never see some of these guys to the big time. Many of them you do get to see. I've raced against Chase Elliott in those cars before. I've raced against William Byron in those cars before. I've raced against many others that uh, that are on the NASCAR circuit now, and uh, it's fun to go see who else might be coming up next. And taking a moment to thank our supporters, Amica Insurance, Varidesk, and Rocket Mortgage. More about these companies later in the show. Well, I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, you have a great brand, and I always uh, uh, enjoy and find it fascinating, actually. That's a better word, uh, on how athletes, regardless of the sport, uh, create uh, emblematic brands. And uh, you've certainly done it. And I have to... you know, I'll, be right up front, you know, NASCAR and auto racing uh, is probably one of the sports uh, I'm late to the game with and know the least about. Uh, been getting into the economics the last several years, and your industry has really, really uh, uh, been changing a lot, dealing uh, with a lot of disruptions. Um, uh, what have you had to do to uh, reshape your business in the, in the current environment over the last few years? Uh, I think I think a lot of things have gone really well for us. Uh, maybe a few things that haven't quite gone so well for us. But um, you know, overall, I think the sport is trying to regain its its growth in uh, in the time in which it was popular and the time in which it was growing. But it seems as though we've kind of hit a little bit of a plateau, if you will, and uh, we've kind of flattened out. So at least we're not in the decline or in the negative space. Um, you know, it's just coming down to the part to the fact that um, you know advertisers are just going down different avenues these days and. You know, putting their name on the side of a race car isn't quite as reasonable, maybe, as it once was uh, in, in regards to some companies that uh, haven't been able to figure out how the model works and being able to get a four-to-one return like we've seen with the M&M's folks. And, uh, you know, with Interstate Batteries, they've been here for 25 years. They've been able to make it work. Toyota has felt like they've had a strong investment in the sport, so they've they've been here and um, many of others, you know. So that's what makes the sport so great, but obviously it's just um, – it's gotten so expensive to go racing. I mean, I've heard guys tell me that when they were back in the 90s, 95, 92, 94, wherever, back in the early, mid-90s, you know, to run a to run a full operation of a cup team, you know, it, it cost a million and a half to two and a half million dollars to go racing, and that was all it was. And now, this day and age, it's, it's upwards of 25, even 30 million dollars to go to the racetrack for a complete season. So it's 
it's uh, it's gotten a little bit uh, out of control, if you will. When you say a four to one return on uh, for the for M and M's, what do you mean by that? Uh, so sponsorship, the value in which they're putting in and they're spending on the M and M's racing sponsorship, they're actually seeing a four uh, a four to one return on their investment. So. You know, if they're spending $20 million, they're actually seeing $100 million in business that's coming back to them because of the racing program. What have you had to do uh, with your team and, and personally to adapt to the changes in terms of being able to get sponsors? You mentioned you've had M&M uh, for, for many years. Um, is, it, is it any different now in terms of your tactic than, say, it was, you know, in the heyday of NASCAR? Yeah, I would say that uh, you're asked to do a lot more for the sponsorship value, for the sponsorship money in which uh, you're getting. You're asked to up the value some for uh, for your partners, whether it's social media, uh, whether it's appearances, and you know, being able to just get more value, get more bang for their buck, if you will. I mean, back in the day, it used to be so simple as they wrote you a check, and them being on the race car, that was enough, you know. And now there's hospitality events. They bring out customers to each and every race, and you're out there doing meet and greets with them. You're giving your time to appearances. You're going to meet their associates and such at uh, at different venues across the country at their plants in order to see these people. So, I mean, those those are the added values that uh, that they keep they keep getting with uh, their sponsorship and the things that make the sponsorship go around and get their their people and their consumers and everybody excited. Uh, with the advent of social media and and technology, how fast that's developed. Um, has that uh, broadened, actually, the uh, different classes of sponsors uh, that you can engage with and, and go after, and as well as your strategy in, in order to uh, uh, build up your fan base and, and engage and activate with these sponsors? Yeah, I think there's no question that it certainly has uh, opened up to other sponsors. There's been sponsors that have come in that have been like, look, it's social, 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 social. And there's been other sponsors that have come in and it's like, you know, social's not that big a deal for us, so we'll just uh, do it this way, the way that we want to do it. So it's different for everybody, but um, there's no question that it has certainly ramped up uh, for the drivers and for the the guys that are in front of the cameras all the time that they need to um, be on social and have a representation on there. And, um, you know, I think that that's a big part of what uh, the sponsors are looking for these days with how many followers you have and what's your reach and, you know, maybe not necessarily exactly how many followers you have, but also, you know, what, what kind of discussion, what kind of um, response can you get from posting certain things and how is your engagement? You know, I, I, I have a uh, Toyota Camry. Uh, 2016, and I probably top out at about 65, maybe now 75 miles an hour on the Garden State Parkway. But you drive like any type of vehicle, it seems, and win in any type of vehicle. Um, and and to our listeners out there, uh, I want you to know I'm not. I've never met Kyle. I'm not blowing smoke. I don't know if he's ever even going to talk to me again after this. So I have no reason to. But Kyle. Uh, was the 2015 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series champion, 2016 and 15 Brickyard 400 winner, 2009 NASCAR Xfinity Series champion. Anyway, you get the picture. So my question is, how the heck did you learn to drive so many different types of cars under so many different types of conditions? Uh, it's just, for me, I'm, I'm a car guy. My, my dad was a car guy. His dad was a car guy. So it's been in the family for a long time that we just, 
we love cars, and uh, the biggest thing my dad taught me when I was a kid growing up was you got to work on them in order to be able to go race them. So you got to know the ins and outs and understand what it takes to be able to get to the racetrack and to uh, to build a fast race car to learn, let alone drive a fast race car. So uh, the learning and the and the teaching and everything that my dad gave me through time growing up as a kid, and I drove different different vehicles all the time when I was a kid. You know, I drive. Um, go-karts and Legends cars and Bandolero cars and Modifieds and late models. I mean, that's all just in the first two years of my racing, you know, so I was all over the place, but just learning all of that and uh, understanding what the vehicle dynamics are all about is kind of where it comes from. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Sports Money podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent, online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com Forbes. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. And this podcast is brought to you by Amica Auto Home and Life Insurance. When you call Amica, you can expect a different experience because Amica is all about customer service that goes above and beyond the ordinary. You always get the help you need when you call Amica. Visit meetamica.com slash Forbes today. Okay, so we got the Daytona 500 coming up. Uh, what's your feeling going into the race? Uh, I'm excited, man. I'm looking forward to it. It's um, a couple good omens for us. You know, we've got uh, the year 2018. My car number is 18, and the Daytona 500 is on February 18th. So, um, you know, that's going to be pretty exciting for us. And and hopefully being able to get our M&M's Toyota Camry to Victory Lane. We've had uh, a lot of fun racing with them over the past 10 years, and we haven't won that race yet. We've won a lot of big races. We've won a championship together, but that's on our bucket list, so we're shooting for, for that victory. Now, you're doing that, of course, as part of uh, the Joe Gibbs racing team. Um, how important is it, uh, are your teammates, the other guys that are part of Joe Gibbs, in that race, in terms of the, your strategy and, and how it all fits into what you're trying to do? Yeah, we, I've got three other teammates, and uh, Denny Hamlin, Daniel Suarez, and Eric Jones that are be racing with us and against us. Um, you know, you go through practice and all the things that kind of lead into the event, and you work together and you talk about your cars and you try to work on one another's uh, outlook and perspective and making sure that you can be the fastest four guys out there. But when it all comes down to the end of the race and when it comes down to crunch time and, and going for that victory, it's one man versus everybody else. So you got to be able to know how to uh, flip that switch and, uh, and go race for that win. There's been obviously uh, uh, several changes in, in NASCAR over the last few years. Um, I'm going to take a couple of them off and uh, 
Uh, give me your thoughts uh, in terms of how, what you think about them and, and what it's going to do for NASCAR. Let's let's go right away to the charter system. Do you like it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like it. I think it gives owners some substance. It gives them some opportunity to have some stake in the sport and to be able to um, earn a guaranteed revenue stream. They know that they're going to get that money just by continuing their charter each and every year. And, um, you know, that's, that's a good... Uh, a good piece of the pie to have each and every year. And when they go and let's say a team wants to sell and, and move on and go do something else, they have that charter uh, in order to sell to somebody else, and it's and it's for sale at a price because it comes with a guaranteed uh, amount of revenue, and so they can sell it for whatever they want to sell it for, which is better than just having old, worn-out, used-up equipment for sale sitting on the shop floor that you're going to get 30 cents on the dollar. I see not lots of different or numbers floated out there. Have you got any kind of an idea of, of what these charters are worth? Um, not exactly. They're worth whatever you think they're worth as an owner. I've heard sales of these charters going anywhere between uh, $13 million and $1 million. And, and And having a charter allows you to do uh, exactly what if you own a charter? And Mike goes in and goes out and buy a charter tomorrow. Uh, besides uh, you getting off the track, but what, <laughs> everybody else, because I wouldn't know what I'm doing. What would that enable me to do, Kyle? Well, you can't just go down to the store and buy one. You have to have, <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> you have to have a uh, you have to have a a sale from another team. If a team is going out of business or if a team is selling a charter, that's where you get the charters from. There's only. Uh, 36 charters that are available, and there's 40 spots available for, for qualifying each and every weekend. So there are still some guys out there that are racing without a charter, but what they're losing on is they're losing on the guaranteed revenue of what that charter brings them. I see. How do you feel about the stage racing? Uh, stage racing's good. Uh, I think it's exciting. I think it brings a different element to our sport. Um, you know, what it's done is is create moments during the races that never used to exist. You know, there's going to be an end of a stage coming at lap 130 here at this race, and, you know, somebody's trying to pass somebody for that spot because they know it's, it's points and it's, and it's positioning um, for the final standings throughout the season that you race everybody for. So, um, you know, the stage racing, I think, has been an added value, and uh, it's been a good thing. The uh, knockout playoff playoff format's been uh, somewhat controversial, uh, limiting the number of cars. The closer and closer you get, so forth. Uh, do you like that? Would you like to see any modifications with that? No, I think it, I think it's fine. I think it's fair. You know, we we all try to keep changing the system and keep trying to modify it, and and really we're not changing a whole lot. But um, you know, a lot of people don't like change, so. Uh, beforehand, when we had the chase format the way it was, when it was 10, then it was 12, then it was 16 guys, and we went 10 straight weeks, if you had a bad week, you kind of already eliminated yourself. So there were already automatic eliminations. And now all we're doing is we're just we're just showing everybody that they're, the guys that are at the back of the field, they are automatically eliminated. They're out. They can't move on. They can't progress to the next round. And then they reset everybody at every round back to zero. So you're racing against those guys that... Uh, um, that have been up front each and every week still and uh, have the right points that are carrying them through the, the playoff races. Kyle, do do drivers stand a risk of losing sponsors as, as let's say, they get, you know, if they get weeded out and, and don't make it towards the end, or do sponsors stay with the car uh, throughout? Uh, I think there's different, different ways to look at that. I mean, certainly, you know, there's going to be sponsors that are on cars that may get, 
um, you know, weeded out early in the playoffs. They're like, you know what, we, we need to find ourselves with somebody that's, that's better, that can get us farther through the playoffs. We want more TV time. We want better recognition. We want to get the victory lane, whatever it may be. And so those sponsors may move on to different teams. Um, but there are other sponsors that are out there that are perfectly happy with just being out there and getting the recognition that they get and having the um, the hospitality events and the customer and consumer events that they have at the racetracks and having the drivers do the certain appearances that they do for them and they're they're perfectly okay with their their uh, their platform and what they got going. Do, do you uh, like the slimmer pit crew rosters? Uh, the 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 slim down picture roster is one change that I'm not so sure is a good idea. We'll see how it plays out and what happens. But um, you know, when you have 40 less guys on pit road, sure, that's definitely going to be safer. But you know, you may also be putting the other three guys that are on the right side of the car at greater danger because they now have to go around one another and they're carrying heavier equipment and more equipment in order to do their job. And some guys they're not able to just do one job; they have to do two jobs. And so it just kind of gets uh, a little bit convoluted, and, um, you know, if somebody forgets to do something, there may be a tire left out on pit road, or if somebody gets a little erratic with what they're doing, somebody may drop a jack, you know, they may drop the car uh, off the jack or something like that. So, you know, it's, it's it's probably not all that big a deal. We'll have to see how it plays out. Yeah, I was thinking you could change sort of the requirement for someone who wants to be in a, a pit crew, whereas, you know, where before you may have had people that were very specialized in very, very specific things. If you have to have uh, fewer people uh, in the pit crew, each person perhaps may not be an expert, but may just have to be good, if you will, at several different tests. You know, sort of like if you had a baseball team roster going from – you know, uh, 25 men to uh, uh, 20, you probably need guys that could play multiple positions. Absolutely. There's no question that, 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 that that's a, a valid um, thought because, you know, the jackman used to just be the jackman. Well, now he has to be a tire carrier and a jackman. Or the tire carrier used to, used to just carry tires. Well, now that tire carrier may be the tire changer and the carrier, you know, so you definitely have guys now that are pulling multiple roles. And, you know, the way I look at it, the analogy I've used is you only have so many good people in the NFL, for instance, that, um, that are at tight ends, right? You've got the Rob Gronkowski, you've got the Travis Kelsey's, you've got the guys that are really, really good at that role, but there's not enough of them to go around for every single team. You know, so that's kind of the way I look at this at this uh, roster limit is you're going to have the guys that are really, really good. They're going to shine even brighter and be better versus the guys that are mid-pack and, and in the back. They're, they're just going to struggle, and they're just never going to make it to where they need to be. And taking a quick break to say this year the office cubicle turns 50 years old. It hails from an age when work was done on typewriters and smoking at your desk was the norm. Today, employees are expecting more from their workspace. They want flexible and active spaces where they can collaborate and feel energized. Varidesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement to any workday. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health, boost energy, and increase productivity. Varidesk has a variety of desk solutions that replace traditional office setups, require little to no assembly, and are ready to use in minutes. Plus, Varidesk products are made from commercial-grade materials meant to last a lifetime. They're easy to move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. You can try Varidesk risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns if you're not satisfied. See it for yourself at varidesk.com. 
That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Did you know there were over one million bubbles in a glass of champagne? Did someone say brunch? Leave the egg hunting to the kids. We'll have even more fun hunting for your brilliant brunch Riesling. Ham's sweet and salty richness pairs perfectly with sweeter wines with bold fruit. How about a juicy Pinot Noir? Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine & More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! I went down to Daytona a couple of years ago, uh, checking out the renovations. And from, from a fan perspective, it, you know, it was spectacular. What is it from your perspective as a driver? As far as Daytona? Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. I think the uh, the new grandstands down there are fantastic. It's first class. It's, uh, it's, it's great because you've given a whole new experience to the race fan that they've never really seen before at a racetrack. So... Um, there's a whole new concourse area and, and everybody getting used to what's kind of at football games and things like that now have a racetrack and uh, it's a little more high class, it's more high end, you've got areas for people to be able to go and get out of the weather if it starts raining and uh, it, I think it's really, really great. Does that, that uh, uh, what they call the safer, the steel and foam energy reduction, I know 2015 in a Xfinity series crash you were injured and then the facility went to this uh, new type of foam energy reduction, they call it, the barriers around the entire track. Um, is that something like that a good idea, or, or do you think it could actually lead some drivers to drive actually a little more uh, reckless because they know it's uh, because they know the barriers are safer? Um, I think that that's twofold. I think obviously they are safer. I think it's a great um, a great investment for our racetracks and for our uh, our sport to invest in as a safer barriers around the racetracks. I do think it gives a greater sense of security and maybe a little less fear to the driver, the way they go out there and drive harder and push the limits a little bit more. But all that does is create excitement for the fans. They want to know that their guys are out there giving it everything they got. They're not scared of running into a wall, you know? So I think that um, it works It works in all ways. Now, you started your racing team your company, I think you were about 24. You're, you're really old now. You're 32. Um, how has the landscape changed? In other words, have you had to change how you run your business? Yeah, that's, we've definitely changed our way of how we run our business over the last few years. Um, you know, we've had great partners, one of our best partners in Toyota, Motor Sales Corporation, that uh, has done everything for us and has really been a huge sponsor for us. And uh, we've got a great relationship with them. Uh, we've had our model kind of change over the course of the years. Back in the beginning, it was just me driving. I had sponsors, and I put them on my truck, and I was able to race and do everything I needed to do. And over the course of the years, we've multiplied into a two-truck team and a three-truck team and even a four-truck team. And now we're back and kind of happy at a three-truck team level. So we've got these other drivers that are coming in with their sponsors, and, and their opportunities are to go out there and do the best they can for their sponsors, but to win races and to excel and further excel their career in our sport to get to the next level. And uh, I've been fortunate enough to help uh, four of those drivers now that are actually going to be racing in the NASCAR Monster Energy Cup Series with uh, William Byron, Daryl Wallace Jr., Daniel Suarez, and Eric Jones. Those four drivers are now um, racing at the cup level at, that have come through Kyle Busch Motorsports. So, it's been uh, a big learning experience, and um, you know we've got 68 employees there at the at the shop, 
that all rely on Samantha and myself to be great owners and to keep our business thriving in order to uh, put food on their table. Kyle, do you get much uh, leverage or, you know, the term they like to throw out there, synergy in terms of marketing or endorsement deals between driving, uh, you know, the stock car for Joe Gibbs Racing or for your own company and and, and the camping truck series? Yeah, I mean, I I work with Toyota. So Toyota Motor Sales is uh, is who I drive for on the Cup Series side with the Toyota Camry. And then in the Truck Series, I drive with the Toyota Tundra. So um, that's the brand that, that I've been closely and most uh, most passionate about and worked with for the last uh, 10, 12 years. So it's been a lot of fun, and I've grown to be like a family to those guys, and uh, it's, been, it's been awesome. Now, I think you're going to be coming out with uh, uh, your own headwear, uh, official headwear supplier, a new deal with Black Clover. Is there anything you could tell me about that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's just something for the fans, you know. I've had an opportunity to, um, through a, a, a personal connection of mine, through the course of the years that I've gained relationships with, um, we're going to start a rowdy hat line with Black Clover. They've been, they've been happy enough to uh, pull me on to their family and to do some things with them. Um, it's really cool. I'm going to wear the hats, of course, and then uh, my fans can buy hats through uh, black clover that have all my M and M stuff on it and everything. So uh, it's a new relationship. We're just kind of starting out. You've raced for two great owners, obviously Joe Gibbs, Rick Hendrick. What would you say are the uh, biggest similarities between the two, and 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 what have you learned from them that you've been able to uh, impart on your own racing team? Yeah, so, um, you know, Rick Hendrick, he's first class. He's uh, a car salesman and uh, does an amazing job with the things that he does. And, and he, he handles a lot of people. You know, he handles a lot of first class business people as well, too, with car dealerships and everything else. So I can't even imagine what his payroll looks like, but the amount of people that he works with on a daily basis is uh, astronomical. Whereas Joe Gibbs, you know, he's, he's been with the, the football thing and, and for a long time being a coach at the Washington Redskins and winning three Super Bowls and however many other games that he's won and he deals with the athletes and he deals with being firsthand and up close with the guys that are on the field and, and take to the action and everything so he's, deal, he's dealt with personalities and things like that with all the differences between these guys over their over his career and so um, you know I've got a firsthand relationship with Joe we, we talk on the phone quite a bit and um, having the relationship that I have with him has been uh, really, really awesome, where when I was with Hendrick Motorsports, I wasn't so polished. I wasn't so um, businessman-like, and and having the ability to talk with Mr. H very well or having those situations uh, dealt with very well. So I've learned over time. I've become a lot better. I've learned from those experiences that I've had with Mr. H, and I've tried to take the best of both worlds from Mr. Hendrick and, uh, and Mr. Gibbs and put those together into being a, uh, a first-class owner in the Camping World Truck Series and making our business strive and thrive. And I feel like that's why we've, uh, we've won six owners' championships out of seven years in being in business. And uh, we keep the sponsors that we have, and drivers keep coming back and, and asking the race for us. What's, what's the, uh, what would you say is the most important thing to making your business thrive? Obviously, it's people. Um, you know, no question having the crew chiefs that we have at, at Cowboys Motorsports and the people behind the scenes, the guys that build and work on the trucks to, to make sure that nothing's falling off of them, that no parts are breaking, the design work has to be right. Um, and then the drivers, you know, you've got to have good drivers. You've got to have drivers that can run up front and do a good job and, uh, and put the pieces in victory lane. What would you say is the best advice you got, if you could remember, that you got from uh, Hendrick or Gibbs? Um, I mean, 
probably from kids was just uh, be yourself. You know, obviously I've run into a lot of things that may have gotten me in trouble over the years that uh, my mouth sometimes doesn't like to be quiet, but um, I'll speak my mind and speak the truth. And, and, you know, sometimes people don't like that all the time. They want to be sugar-coated. So um, that's where Joe's kind of come in and just been like, you know, man, be yourself. Tell me how it is or, or tell somebody else how it is. And, and that's probably the, the most respect that I've had from, from Joe Gibbs over the course of our relationship. Thank you. Best of luck to you at the 500. Thank you very much for your time, and uh, sorry I couldn't give you more. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. Hey, this is Jordan Harbinger. I used to host the Art of Charm podcast, but now it's time for something new. The Jordan Harbinger Show. Did you know you can be entertained and actually get a boost in your life at the same time? On this show, we dig into the superpowers of the world's most interesting thinkers and top talents. Then we deliver them to you right into your ears. But I get it. We're not all superheroes. That's why we give you their blueprint so you can live what you listen. After a thousand interviews, learning five languages, and getting arrested in a country that doesn't even exist anymore, I'm now more ready than ever to introduce you to The Jordan Harbinger Show. Listen free to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the Podcast One app. And now, an ad from Dad. All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following, following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.